That's pretty good. <laughs> because oh, ti- time a, is time tur- is relative, tur- man. That's what, turn- that's what turn- turning a lemon into lemonade. Exactly. That's what Albert taught us. It's all relative. Yes, he did. So he's smart, man. Yes, and he. I think he copied your your hairstyle. To be honest. Not lately. <laughs> true, true that. Since they took his brain out. Uh, Dennis, it's been been a minute or a week. How you been? Here we are. What you been doing? Uh, well, it was beautiful weather. Went up to my uh, daughter's cottage, which is forty minutes northwest toward the lake, and it's on a beautiful man-made lake. And uh, did a little fishing, no catching. Uh, played with my granddaughters. Uh, fishing, no catching. Uh, that's a that should be a swimming. That should be a metaphor for. Did some big uh, splash swimming with the little three-year-old, holding her high above my head in my hands, and it's with stiff slamming legs. her down under the water. <laughs> she drank a little. I did too. I'm afraid we both have diarrhea as a result. Um, and then I uh, had a uh, cookout, which uh, was one of these things like, geez, this Labor Day, I don't want to work anymore. I worked in the morning in the yard. I said, you know, I have all this food to cook. Maybe I should invite some people. And I invited my two son-in-laws and my son. Neither of my son-in-laws, well, my first son-in-law finally came. Did you invite, the invite their wives as well? My son came. My son came and gorged out, and we played a game of bocce. Nice. Which was uh, which a I know you are a, you're a champion of. Uh, uh, yes, he yep. beat me squarely. He beat you squarely. We, he, said, he said he'd play to 11 and then beat me and then said, well, let's just play to 21. And then he beat me 21 with a uh, two-ball, three-point extravaganza that put him well over the top. He's an excellent player. So when you're when you're down in at the beach and you're like destroying, who was it, Danny or whoever, or your brother? No, you, my brother. You killed your brother in bocce. Zero, my brother's score was zero twelve that day. Yeah. So some games took I, some games took less than three minutes. So boom, boom, three, that that three story throws. led me to believe that you actually had some skill, but apparently you. I do have skill. There's no. Uh, when Danny played with us, Danny was the victor. Okay. And so it comes and goes. And, you know, terrain matters. You know, words matter. Words matter. Terrain matters. That before. Words matter. Yes. Whatever. Words matter. Matter words. <laughs> um. And I've been slogging through my Cormac McCarthy uh, masterpiece, which I've decided that when I'm done with it, I'm going to find a couple of passages and read them to you. And uh, we're going to talk about what they mean. Oh, I love it. And, and what I may do, actually, Happy Hour this Book would Club. be better. This would be better, is that I will send you a passage then you can come on and tell me what the fuck it means. Okay. Because many of the sentences, I'm not exactly sure. And it's not just the vocabulary, which is amazing, yes, rich, extravagant. Much like your uh, own. But it's the sentence structure. 
and uh, and and yep. then as a, as a reward, I will read you one of many many passages that are that are clearly why it's called a masterpiece because the imagery is nice, unbelievable. But I think we'll have a little Cormac uh, McCarthy Cormac McCarthy corner. Cormac Corner. Not to be confused with Cormac McCarthy Corner, since he recently died and was examined by Same, who had forthwith created in his investigation a world of drama which no one could demeanor and no one could at first or ever knew or ever would know the bequeathed that was within that vessel of a man, or so we think. Wow. Can't wait for that's, Cormac Corner. Yes, that's the Cormac, and that's the title of the corner right yeah. there. Cormac, it, Cormac it, Corner. It, it's apparently the case that if it could be said with 120, if it could be said with 120 words instead of five, do so. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. He was never in a hurry to finish the sentence. He, he had I may a, try to find. I may try to find the one sentence in there that I think is only three words. He must have gotten a, like a, a deal on ink or something at the. Well, he, his and and you know you could read into the um, immaculate reviews of his work, particularly this particular book. Uh, and I will I will read you a particular telling quote when the time comes, because it's true, uh, and because he likens the he likens the cadence to uh, like biblical proportions, you know. And they, he doesn't use the word cadence. That's the way I I would I would frame it. Uh, but with, anyway, with your little mind, too much too soon. Okay. Too much too soon. The okay. Karma. The Cormac McCarthy Corner, and you have to be able to say it five times fast or we won't start the episode. Okay. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll practice. We, okay. uh, Try it now. Cormac McCarthy Corner. Just, well, five times fast. Come on. Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner. Boom. Unbelievable. How did you do I that? would drop my mic if it wasn't on a stand. If you dropped your mic, it'd land on your head. Whoa! Because... Or you could leap over the desk head first, like some, like some caricature of a creature from a beloved land of which no nearness could ever be placated nor disturbed. <laughs> I like this version of you. This is good. Uh, <laughs> I I've recently been enjoying uh, my at my work. Uh, at my not my previous company but the company before that uh they they would organize these little like games during the day where uh where we would uh everyone was invited to drop whatever they were doing and come and spend 30 minutes like playing some like trivia game or some nonsense just online there's all these online trivia games where you can all log in and and set up your avatar and answer, you know, A, B, or C, or whatever. And, uh, and but at my current company, what they have is they've got someone that has a little, set up a little book club, and, like, it's only, like, once a month. But we get together for, like, this 45-minute meeting where 
we read, typically it's just like a three to four page short story. But then we sit around and and blow smoke around it and talk talk about what we think it means. And it's, it's a lot of fun to uh, analyze prose, yeah. prose like that. Well, and, and short stories well written are remarkable. I just completed, I think I talked about this about four or five episodes ago, the 100 best short story westerns. I remember you talking about reading westerns, yeah. The 100 best short stories. Uh, uh, and uh, I ended up reading all 100 but I read them, so this is how I organized it. I read them by reading the shortest ones first. That's one sorting algorithm, yep. Well, I, I, I wasn't sure if I'd like them. Baby steps, yeah, like the least amount of commitment. There's this, um, uh, there's this philosophy in, uh, in, it's, there's this modern literature about like how to f form and how to create good habits and how to get rid of bad habits. And uh, there's, I'll, fig I'll, I'll link to who, whoever actually came up with this, but there's this idea of a, uh, a 30 second rule where you just promise yourself you're going to do whatever it is for 30 seconds. And and you're like, geez, 30 seconds. I can do any, freaking anything for 30 seconds. I'll go, you know, uh, clean up the clean up the the kitchen for 30 seconds. And the the psychological hack is that when the 30 seconds are up, you already have, like have some momentum and you're already doing the thing. So it's you don't stop. So you typically don't stop. But it's this sounds like a ploy to overcome a lack of motivation. Precisely to to which get to I, get over which uh, I've been dealing with. I've been dealing with lately. I know you, you 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 think of me as a very busy person, which I am, in project after project. And I failed to send you the pictures of the table I restored, which is so awful of me because it was a beautiful pine table that opened up and folded. I told you that I built a leaf yes for it so that a twenty four inch table would open up to a forty eight inch table. But, um, but yesterday, did you take the photos though? Do no. the photos exist? And I delivered, no, I did not. And I delivered the table <sighs> to the cottage where it sits. Now, having said all that, I'm going back to the cottage because I've pretty much decided I'm going to go up there prepared to fish as opposed to going up there and, oh, by the way, maybe I'll fish. Right. Because I had one pole there that was in the boat all for years. And it had a big old hook on it about the size of something you'd throw at fucking Moby Dick. And it had a twirly silver thing on it and it had a wiggle waggle plastic wormo on it. And it was big. And I knew I wasn't fishing for big fish, but it's all that was there. There's no tackle. There's nothing else. Wiggy, wiggy, and I could throw it pretty far. Wiggy waggle wormo? Wiggy waggle wormo. Are we back to the Cormac McCarthy big words now? You're... No, 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 no. Cormac McCarthy would say, a prodigious a squiggly beast unknown to the prodigens of the caster, but known instead to the fish as the vicious end of what could be a day, but could it? Um, and so I was throwing it. She'd do a whole episode like that. that. 
kind of heavy, so I was moving. I, at least, at least I was covering some water. Would be the way I would would describe it. And I covering. talked with a guy who knew where the deep spot was, where they pull a couple of fish. So I dropped down to the bottom and cast it there. But it was a big thing, and it wasn't right. I should have just thrown a worm in a bobber, having had none. But none were about me. None were there. For a second, I could say for worm, for water, for fish. But the beloved upon us would say, to wit, to wit, to wit. <laughs> My kingdom for a worm. <laughs> and so, and so I walked up the beach where I thought it might be more productive. And I threw what I thought was probably the best cast of the day because the lure went so far only to discover that it was exactly that and no more. The lure went far. The end of the line, untied it was, only drooped about five feet in front of me. And there goes the lure. There goes the fishing for the day. Mm. And what did I do? I laughed in its face in the murky waters of that desolate feeling, that feeling of a lure lost, yea, a fish, perhaps a big fish lost in the murky waters amongst the seaweed and who knows what drowned the logged, desodded pieces of lumber and debris from sunken ships and boats might be there. Nice. If you if you used a bunch of a bunch of peas as bait, would that be a podcast? Uh, that would be a it'd be a Precast. Ah, okay. Oh, wait, here's an automatopoeta. Automatopoeta. A bowl of p p p p p p peas. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll add that to the, uh, to the ledger. A jar of almonds slivered. Slivered? Slivered. Good, good. I, here's an almond anecdote for you. Uh, when I was down in the south of Spain recently and out on a walk with my father-in-law, uh, we there's a bunch of almond trees down there. And uh, he was saying, oh, there's a, there's a good almond tree up here. And we were walking around and, and I, I was looking at the trees and I, I plucked an almond off of it. And, uh, and he said, uh, that that's not a good almond, and and I and I, I, I said, well, you know, I don't know. He said, well, open it up. And so I don't know if you've ever picked an almond, but uh, there's no, this really no, hard shell had. on the outside. And he he directed me over to this to this stone with another and, and picked up a rock. And like, the way you open almonds there when you have no tools is you bang some rocks on it. And so I opened it up and, and and I tried it and it was super bitter. It, it, it was that horrible cyanide flavor. Uh, it was either overripe or not ripe enough. And and he said uh, and he said yeah I knew that was going to be a, a shitty almond because there were so many almonds on that tree. And then he he told me this this anecdote of uh, some 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 other guy that said. Um, yeah, you the good uh, almonds are like are like families in that a long time ago 
we had a bunch of kids, but they were all sort of little. And now people have way fewer kids, but they're all they're all a lot bigger. And it took me a minute to f- figure out what he was saying, but he was talking about the the resources that the tree or the family has to give to all of to all of their fruit is if you have a very few kids, then you can give them all the resources. But if, if you have a bunch of kids, then they they grow up with fewer resources and therefore uh, are less uh, well <laughs> benefited. Yes, uh, and they're very. They're not as well benefited. Yes, exactly. They're not as well cared for. Well, not cared for. Well, no, but well. they don't get as much attention. It's not just money and food, but it's attention as well, uh, and in general. But anyway, I, I, it would have never in a million years occurred to me to to have a metaphor between a, a, that fruit from a tree with fewer fruit is is better than one that has lots of fruit. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's, that's like uh, it's, it's counterintuitive to what you think a farmer would want. Indeed. Quality over quantity, but in fact, I'm sure that's the case. Uh, interesting. I don't think, let's see if there's other things that are like that. Let's say that you have a patch of radishes and you throw the bunch of seeds and the radishes. Well, very few of them are going to plump. Very few of them are going to root properly and be big enough because plump. they're all fighting for a limited space. Um, and so it would be the same thing. Yeah. So in this case, you if you have too many children, you kill some of them. So the other ones are more benefited. That's such a good, such, such a good verb. Plump. Benefited. <laughs> they won't all plump. That verb or kill them? Plump. Oh. Are you listening? They won't plump. Yes. I, well, to myself. I hope someone is. <laughs> uh, Probably not, though. So I, my only real anecdote from this week was uh, we, uh, on, I guess it was Sunday, like we woke up and it was a dark and cloudy, rainy, cold looking day. But my, but my phone was telling me, oh, it's going to get nice and sunny in the afternoon. And it sure didn't look like that until it, until it got all nice and sunny. And so we made the decision to go out to the beach. And for, for we, because we live like five minutes from the beach, uh, that's so, so nice that we were able to do that. And we had a love, the, the waves were, were just perfect. They, uh, the best, the best time I ever have at the beach is just being out there in the waves and letting them crash over me. And, and these waves were coming like, as soon as you could wipe your eyes from the previous one, another one was on you. Uh, And so how, how big of a body of water is it? Is it a sea? It's a sea. Yeah. I mean, it's connected to the, to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Ah, so it's uh, how does the water get from the ocean to the to the sea? Okay, they the Spanish call it a sea. They, they call it the Cantabrian Sea, 
uh, all the maps in English call it the Bay of Biscay, uh, but it's it's all connected to the to the ocean. Well, uh, the answer then is the if if it is in fact if it's a bay, it's a continuous body of water with a narrow neck. But it's that's 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 wrong though. That's not a good name for it because, like, if you think of if you think of the map of Europe with Spain jutting out, right? Yeah, we're just on the north coast there, and like, so like the narrow body of water is the space between Spain and the U in England. So well, how is, far is that? Which is super. It's not narrow at all. It's no hundreds of and- miles. But that's not what you're swimming in. Yeah, you're is. swimming in something off of that. No, 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 no. In that. No, you're in the channel. Not, not the channel. It's not the, the channel is between England and France. It, oh, right, right, right. Where it's even narrower. Where it's narrower. Like people actually swim across that. So there must be an indentation where the uh, the, the 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 sea lurches into the land a bit rather large perhaps like you can look at a map and and judge for yourself but i will i will but yeah the reason i'm asking is because the difference in the waves and, no and... no but so okay so where where the actual beach that i go to is somewhat protected by uh by a bit of land that juts out uh so it's not the direct waves coming a peninsula uh yes uh and and even so, the waves coming from the north down to Spain are nothing like the waves coming uh, from from the west that hit like Portugal and those places. Like that's right. where they have the hundred foot wave places out there. That's big. I think we talked wow. about the hundred foot wave. Well, we talked about the the docu series. Yes, uh, but that, which that's was where called it is. the hundred foot wave. Um, that's where that is, right? 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 Yeah, right, right. Portugal. That's, but that and that's Portugal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. That's crazy water. I've, it's just, it's just beyond me that people would go into that purposely. I mean, Indeed, right? It's, it requires a certain kind of insanity. What interesting Portugal Spain fact is that the border between Spain and Portugal has been one of the most constant borders in all of Europe. Like if you go back, uh, like I've seen animations where they, where they show how the borders have moved and, and stuff and the borders between France and Spain and, 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 and Germany and everything, like it all moved around 500 years ago or whatever. Uh, but the border between Spain and Portugal has been so stable and it's it's so weird to me because is it a natural border like mountains no like there there is when i crossed over recently it was it the border did follow a river but it was not an important river uh but it's just like spain was so excited about conquering all of america but they were like nah we don't need this western bit of this peninsula yeah, it seems well. It seems on, weird to me. on that on this point, I would venture a guess. Uh, you can. I, I, what do I know? But the most, the border that changed more frequently, 
and more drastically than any other country in the world could be Poland. Oh yeah, that, that they no natural borders. Yeah. No natural borders. So and and natural borders being a deterrent, mountains to the west, a big river to the you know to yeah, the yeah. east, whatever, a lake to the south, none of the above. I learned recently that I can't remember the darn term, but there's some specific term for the point in a river where large boats can no longer pass and that is where you will find a lot of cities it's called the prodigal i don't believe you <laughs> for good reason but also because i like had heard the term recently but uh it but so like london is the one that comes to mind where it's not on the coast, but it's on a river that goes to the coast. Anyway, it, interesting facts for, I'll try and find that for the show notes, but maybe future Eric will not. So I, I read an article today about that, um, that, that, uh, that tendency that you've talked about before where people assume things and what people in movies say and yes, what different, and one of them struck me for the example is that it's not Jiffy peanut butter, it's Jiff peanut butter. Uh, and explanation is that people get it confused with with uh, with uh, Skippy peanut butter, I guess. But but I would I would never call it Jiff peanut butter in a million years. I I would argue till I was blue in the face that it's Jiffy peanut butter, and in fact, it's not. That was one of the examples. But that, the amazing the, thing about this article was it went on. And the, on. the name of that is the Mandela effect. The Mandela, the Mandela effect, and uh, 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 the the come on that drew you in was uh, a picture of um, a queen and Freddie Mercury singing and uh it said the mandela effect he never said of the world we are the champions of the world he never said that and you're like oh man and you go there well number 24 was that this is a mandela effect on a mandela effect because he did sing it but every there's this thing going around where all these people believe. I love it. She didn't sing it, and it's a Medela effect squared, or however they describe. It. And I thought, you sons of bitches! I don't. And you got to. I guess it's true. I don't know. Maybe it's just a couple. No, I, I. They. I. Another term I've heard for this is a. Um, a lot of pop science books that make people talk about them. Uh, have have what I've heard called a um, a turns out, like everyone thinks this, but turns out actually it's this other way. Yeah. And and I've heard that there's a you can stack those on on themselves. There's a turns out of a turns out, where uh, some popular book came out that like this whole um, Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell is a is an author that is full of turn that he's made all his money on these turns out books uh and like he's the one that that has this like 
you need 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, no. No? No. You've never heard the 10,000 hours line? No. Wow. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Is that, there, is that what, is that the, what is that? No, his, uh, he, he uses, he uses the Beatles as his example in the book, how they spent, um, years, they spent years in Hamburg playing five or six hour shows every night for, for like years before they came back to, to Liverpool and, and wowed everyone. So like they had been just practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing so much that turns out after you do that, you're pretty good. Uh, and, uh, anyway, there's, there's this whole, uh, you can sell books if you have a plausible story that goes against what is considered the the common wisdom uh, because because then the then your readers feel smarter than everyone else and they're like ha most people don't know this but and then they and and then they start saying well actually it's it's like this and I and where do you hear that oh in this book and then you get this word of mouth effect where you sell more books uh, as you might imagine but as I if I set my mind to it, you could probably imagine it. I, I would, I would, I could. More importantly, I would. Nice. For if a man takes a thing and decides with it that he will come upon it, and he will stretch it into the wisdom of his innards, then he decides to move. And others, not so moving. Not so moved will not be moved. So, so much, so good, huh? so much material for the title so of this, of this episode. That's the, that's the title of the second episode of the comic McCarthy. I, I can't, I can't even say it once. And you said five times Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner, Cormac McCarthy Corner. I did it. You did it. I'm surprised. I could barely do it once. It's like the Cormac McCarthy. Anyway, where were we? Where were we? I think where with five, five Corners is the Pentagon, right? Yes. Makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, no. I, my mind is blank. <laughs> So I, I saw this uh, I, saw, I saw this page on the internet today that was um, what is this strange house in the at the at the very center of the pit of, of, of the uh, the Pentagon if you look at if you look at like aerial photos of the Pentagon in the very very center like there's this sort of grassy area in the middle in the very center there's this there's this house. And there's all this like conspiracy stuff. Like, what is this house? And turns out the answer is it's like a like a hot dog stand for the employees. <laughs> <laughs> where where the UFOs are kept. Indeed. Oh, so let's jump into the story you sent me. Yeah. 
about the UFOs and how incredibly disappointed I was. It like almost ruined my day. It was so. That's what I try with every email. Because I had heard about the hearing and I, I meant to find out more about it, but it was, it was so extravagantly stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like it turns out that for some reason, if you are just a kook, you can somehow get an audience with fucking Congress without any sort of checking or it, like anyone can say, well, I'm not allowed to, you know, you, you want to vet me to talk to Congress, but I'm actually not allowed to, uh, to give you that information. I can only pass that on to them. And just how far, like we've seen in recent years, how far you can get with just total bullshit because yeah no need to say his name uh well and just you 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 broached the subject now oh oh well did you do the homework that i assigned you i i sent you an article and i said read up on this um i was confused as to whether you wanted me to read up on the facts of the narrative or on the idea of episodic art (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) <laughs> because which the way you, it was written, which did you do? I I already knew the Neither. content, okay. and so I decided to Google episodic art, and my phone went dead, and I never got back to it. So okay, good. Well, you my, my do, do, tell us about the contents here. I uh, oh, oh, oh well, there's so there's so many co-defendants now in the Trump uh, conspiracy to overthrow the. U.S. government and uh, the trial, uh, by the way, to time note, started today in Georgia. Uh, not the trial, but the, the initial preliminary hearings. And you can imagine the cacophony of potential problems of having 19 defendants in one case <laughs> and 19 separate attorneys filing 19 separate motions. Surely, and the court having to go through these. Surely they all got their story straight before they checked themselves in, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting. This is a conspiracy charge, and that means that if one is found guilty, all are found guilty. And so the first round of really? motions. Yes. 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 Be- because-, because you established that they're all linked for the same purpose. So if one of them, if you can prove one of them has the purpose... Uh, then you're set. What a and good. That's what a good. That's like the opposite of the of the prisoner's dilemma. Like you, you want. Like they're they're motivated to stick together and um, not throw each other under it, the bus. It doesn't disassociate from that. It just makes it relatively impossible when there's 19 defendants. Interestingly enough, this is RICO, which each state has its own RICO, which is tax. Uh, uh, you know, conspiracy to not pay taxes. And um, obviously more than one person has to be involved, you know, because you, 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 there's money made, there's money paid, there's money bookkeep, there's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's reports to the IRS, blah, blah, blah. And so the person who championed RICO was none other than a, a, a young uh, attorney general 
in uh, uh, the uh, Manhattan or South South New York, or maybe it was Manhattan office, by the name of Rudy Giuliani. I've heard of him. Uh, um, America's mayor. Who, who later became America's mayor, who is now the uh, number one defendant behind Trump. But uh, what, what, what the first set of motions is to disassociate the case from the mob, you know, and to get a different venue. Like Mark Meadows, who's the chief of staff, said, you know, you got me in state court here. And I was doing my job as a federal employee, therefore you don't have jurisdiction. This wasn't about politics, which is not, uh, you know, in my job description. Although it's well known that chief of staff is a one person in the administration that does dabble in both. So therefore you need to move me to Washington where the jurists, by the way, where the jury selection would be more in my favor. Uh -huh. um, and I'd be separated, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and so the idea that you've got 19 defendants, these lower level, lower rung, bottom of the ladder, people who were convinced by Trump and his people, by Trump's people, more than Trump himself, by Trump's people, that this is what Trump wanted for them to be fake electors. They're saying, wait a minute, you're not paying for my legal bills? I'm, it's going to cost me all this money, and I'm going to go to prison. The Proud Boys that were the key to the insurrection, right? the individuals are getting 17, 18, the latest was 22 years. And you want me to be part of that group, and you're not paying my legal fees? Who do I have to talk to to get a deal? And one by one, the defendants drop off because they say, you know what, we're we're – we're moving this case away, we're reducing it to a misdemeanor, and we're taking a guilty plea. You're going to do one year in prison, and we're giving you, uh, uh, you know, credit for time served, and you'll be out in, in two months. And they're going to line up like flies toward a pork chop, benign on the plate in its juices, wondering if, in fact, if it will ever be eaten but for the insects where they cometh. So that's kind of what's, you know, what's going on. And, so would you, you know, you, would 19 you, defendants. Would you call them MAGA maggots? MAGA maggots on the, on the board. <laughs> yeah, that's a good image. So I saw a movie the other day. Oh, these guys are like, oh, hey, you have to eat this can of beans. We're out in the wilderness and starving, and we found a can of beans. You have to eat it. No, I have to eat it. Rock, paper, scissors, rock beats, uh, scissors, whatever. You got to eat it. Oh, it's good. Hey, hey, no, it's good. And they both start eating, and then they realize oh, fuck. that what's in their mouth is a mouthful of maggots. But it becomes maggots. It's like a... It's like a crazy movie. It's like yeah, they were fooled fooled into thinking that they weren't maggots. Oh, they were good. They wanted it to be good, but the image of the guy's mouth opening, gagging, and the maggots all crawling and falling out of his mouth—that's lovely. Good one, man. Yeah, I think about that one before I go to sleep. They're probably fairly nutritional, maggots. Well, actually, maggots have quite a place. You know, they put them in wounds because they would eat away the rotted flesh 
and they would keep the wound from being infected. So back in the day, Civil War days, et cetera, when you took the bandage off, you checked to see how the maggots were doing. If the maggots were doing fine, that means they were eating the the flesh that would otherwise, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you take it off one day, the maggots all turn into flies, and then there's a nest of flies. You know, I mean, that's gross. I don't know what's worse, the maggots or the flies. I ate fucking a mass of flies. You can't, you, know, you can't anesthetize a, ma- a nest of flies. Anesthetize a nest of flies. And let's see who gets the surprise of maggots in the soup. The beans, the beans, I see the beans, the beans are good, but yet the maggots in my mouth. Whoa, baby. Yeah. We put that on a T-shirt, huh? People would have to stop you to read it. Hey, man, let me see what the back of your T-shirt says. In the front, a guy's face yeah. with his mouth open and maggots falling out. Cool, cool. And people are like, oh, what's that? And then you walk away and they see it and they say, hey, wait, man, let me read it. You're huh? going gonna, gonna to make so many friends and... And and pick up so many so many dates at the bar with a oh, t-shirt well, with a maggot vomiting. That. I'm way beyond the dates at a bar, as you know, unless they were a buffet bar and they were dates as in figs. Then I might pick through them and find me a plump one. If they had been plumped. <laughs> if, if they had, in fact, been plumped. <laughs> I make a lot of words up in this show. I hope you're writing them down. <laughs> yes. My date last night was plumped. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. So let's see what's happened on the television front. I, I got back into Westerns again. I think I told you that. I, I started episode. a... Uh, I had an experience of trying to get my kids into... Uh, into the office. Have you seen the office? The the television series. Yeah, the U.S. Yeah, version. the yeah. British or the American. The American. It's the one I started with, and so i I showed them the I showed them the pilot. I showed my daughter twice, and they just don't get it at all. But I think it's because if you've never worked in any sort of white collar situation like if you're a student <laughs> if you're a kid uh you don't get the social hierarchy yeah. that that makes everything so awkward yeah. there like, yeah, right. and well. <laughs> the and the like the genius of the office uh is more so with the british than uh, british comedy is in in my opinion all about how awkward can we make this situation? Uh, but the in the American version, boy, the pilot is super well constructed. Like it, uh, it sets up all the relationships that you need to know going forward. It sets up the Jim and Pam, and the Jim and Dwight, and the Dwight and, and Michael, and Michael and corporate, and just and it sets the tone for the level of just systemic abuse <laughs> that is going to happen. Well, but the unique feature 
of that show is breaking the third wall. That that was uh, the yes. I remember watching the the British Office, which with no context, no one had told me anything. Or is it the fourth wall? It's the fourth. It's the fourth wall. Because uh, there's three walls. Unless you break the one on on the side of the camera. <laughs> uh, but the fourth wall. The uh, and I, I I remember watching that the first time, and being confused as to like. What sort of shitty documentary is this? Like, because that was when, that was with the rise of reality TV, and it wasn't obvious that it wasn't a reality show, uh, right? Like, it's sort of because well, with the reality pilot, you were... and well, and they they mimic the reality TV shows because with the, with those, like, they show people doing stuff, and then they have the cutaways where they like are interviewing one of the people. Right, and the and that person is is like, uh, well, I don't know how I feel about how he just talked to me, uh, and so they totally but, but also, copied that. But also, too, in the scenes, when let's say Jim is about to, you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they they look. He, right? he looks at the camera. He'll he'll look at the camera and raise his eyebrows up and down as right. if to say, "Watch this." Right, exactly because so you're, it's it's participatory. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. You, you, you know, and 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 this is the thing that I I would say from from my vantage point. I think the whole show is built around Jim's character and understanding of the situation. Yep, for sure. He's he is the protagonist. Uh, and all knowing. He doesn't ever get caught up in the stuff. He always observes it and watches it and reports on it. But unlike every other character, yep. there isn't shit about Jim. True. They may show Pam having a, a weird moment. They Every character having a weird moment. But tell me one time when Jim was the one who was having the weird moment. It just doesn't happen. He probably he probably broke down and cried a couple times, uh, or, or getting closer to their wedding or whatever. But the like in the in the pilot, like having seen all the rest of it, the pilot telegraphs so much. Like there's this one uh, interview scene where 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 Jim is like, uh, yeah, I know that. I know that Pam's favorite yogurt is mixed berry or something. And then they cut to her and she's like, did he say mixed berry? <laughs> and she does this, like, she's so clearly pleased that that he cares that much about her. Anyway, uh, which so totally, like, as I recall, it takes the whole first season for them to, uh, to connect. But uh, now, and you know, the, you know, the, the, the riff, the supposed dramatic rift between Steve Carell and the originator of the British Ricky Gervais sitcom The Office, upon which this one is based. Uh, what's his name? Ricky Gervais. Uh, yes, you know all about that. You've seen all those crazy moments that they obviously, to me, it's obvious they chore choreograph. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, at the Oscars and not at not the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Richard Gervais is never at the Oscars. Yeah, but he's at the uh, uh, the Golden whatever. Globes. Was his was Golden his, Globes? Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he. 
he made he made money on every single like the the US office was way more successful than the British office but and, but and Ricky Gervais made money off on every, every one single of one of them yeah uh-huh. uh because he created the the whole thing uh yeah the uh anyway my the like my kids just get nothing out of that out of that show or what uh or any of this. So let me tell you a story as to why I do. And I'm sure you have your own. But back in the day when I was... Because we've, we've all had a boss like that. Had a bureaucracy where I was in charge of quite a few people. And one of the things we had to do in this very large building we were in was that the entire floor was my division. And uh, say for some... No, there were two divisions. And, and I had half of this whole floor and we had to redo the cubbies we had to change the sizes we had to move them around we were moving people we wanted people in the division on the same floor so they could interact blah 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 by by cubbies you mean cubicles cubicles yes and uh i remember drawing a cartoon a cartoon called cubicle politics Cartoon? cartoon cartoon okay called cubicle politics and each of the things had something funny going on but one of them was that this dude was pissed that he was in an inside cubicle where there was less light than an outside cubicle that had access not only to the corridor but to more light and also access to higher ups right which you know it matters the office rubbing elbows management by bumping into each other etc cetera, etc cetera. indeed and um there was it came to my attention that there was uh grievances that were going to be filed that man in cubby b the small darker cubby uh was getting a complaint drawn against him by the man in cubby a because the man in cubby b would remove his socks and shoes and he could be heard clipping his toenails. They, they they literally do that on the office between Dwight and Jim. I'm pretty sure toenail clipping. Really? I think I think that's actually one of well, the stories. So probably. this this was a real thing. This was a real thing. And uh, and what's interesting about it was that the guy who was the victim of this was an MIT grad who was so educated and and did the shit for me that i could never comprehend relative to programming which i'm sure you and he could have a conversation but in his case statistical analysis and the sure. depiction of the, the collection depiction storage communication of data blah 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 and the other guy was almost as well educated and somewhat more experienced, but they were both essential, but they were in this kind of sphere of highly intellectual skill sets and capabilities, highly technical. Yep. And yet at the gut level, it was about clipping toenails. I mean. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it's about like we get down to our to our lower hominid brain and it's just about like territory yeah 
the uh, when I I had a job uh, when I was twenty four or whatever uh, in living in Raleigh, where I hated my job so much that I would come home most days and watch the movie Office Space. Have you seen the movie Office Space? Is it a cartoon? No. It's it's by a cartoonist. It's by uh, Mike Judge, who created Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill and uh, and later no, I don't, Silicon I'm, Valley. I, I, I vaguely remember the name. I don't, I'm not it's, clicking it. Um, it, it. It actually, one of the characters started off as a cartoon. I think even with... Yeah, I don't... I thought uh, Delbert... I thought Delbert was office space, ish. Office no, no, but not no, different. Uh, but anyway, it's about this this guy who hates his job so much and and figures out that if he just goes in and doesn't give a fuck, that like his boss is actually uh, not can't really do anything about it. Anyway, uh, it was so so cathartic. And I, if I had, if someone forced me to name my favorite movie, it, I, it might be that. But uh, it made me wonder how well office comedy will age with people working more remotely now. Because yeah, well, because, people will, will will begin not to get it, you know. Um, because you know, there's only so, you know, you can't reach over and 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 touch someone's shoulder awkwardly when you're on a zoom call like just doesn't you know i've i've tried to caress you during these calls but it's <laughs> to make me plump <laughs> i didn't say that i didn't i'm not a plumper <laughs> well so i have a i have a question for you guess Guess who returned for the last season of Billions? Uh, I don't know. Damien Lewis. He because he left. He left for okay. two seasons. Well, I obviously, he has to return it. for the for the last one. Okay. Well, well, right, right, right. But uh, I watched the uh, return episode of it, which was was uh, all publicized about him coming back. Which ended up happening in the last like three minutes, of and course, of um, yeah, that, that's it, like those those uh, those movies where they like where they say this famous actor is in this thing, and then like they get killed off in the first two minutes or whatever. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. Well, it the dialogue was so stilted, and frankly, I'm not sure what drama will entice me as being sophisticated again since succession. Um, but Billions is so elementary and so canned. The dialogue is canned Yeah. compared to succession. You, I, I tuned into succession the other day. I was doing some channel surfing and there was the scene where I'm sure you remember I think between the two of us probably could remember every scene from, Every episode, if if well, I could, but you tended to fall asleep sometimes. Um, what what, but, what are we talking about? 
you yeah, right there you go you're sleeping right now um where uh tom gave shiv a tarantula in boston yeah uh, yeah res- exactly the the worst and she doesn't get it and and she doesn't get it and she says so what 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 this and he starts to explain it and she says and i quote yeah 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 no 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 yeah 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 no no yeah uh, yeah 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 no 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 i get it i get it i get it it's exactly how people talk and it's it's a perfect everyone who's been married for long enough has given their 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 spouse a gift with the best of intentions that was received horribly it wasn't a tarantula it was a scorpion yeah yeah exactly it was a scorpion and it was and it's just like ah you know i i i thought this would be a good thing but then it gets taken the wrong way and and then it's just like ruined yeah but yeah yeah well it's a weather report it's pouring rain here it's the kind of rain where it comes down in sheets Sheets and a, giggles. A bit of a gully washer. Gully I'm washer. about to go uh, into it after we uh, conclude yet another dynamic episode. You're going to wash the gully? And, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm actually doing something that I think I've talked to you about, which is to go see a country band that a friend of mine started called Dirty Dirty Boots. Dirty Boots? That rain dirty should boots. wash off those dirty boots. Three-man band. And uh, I'm I'm gonna I, I don't know what the turnout will be. It's his opening night for a month long uh, Wednesday night gigs, and uh, I don't know what it'll be like. It's hard to tell. The rain will 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 dampen enthusiasm. Dampen, I get it. <laughs> That's clever, Cormac. May wash away some of the numbers. Uh, in a deluge of proportions, only biblical. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to do something for him with this little, you know, I'm form, I'm kind of in the beginnings of forming this little LLC with this dude. That's ah. all about, um, limit that liability, promoting music and community events. And I've, I've talked to you about it, uh, where, uh, you go and you answer three questions. One, two, three, one. What do you want to see? When do you want to see it? What do you want to pay? And you say music and nothing and tonight. Or you say music and theater and within the next week, you know, and I will pay no more than 20, something like that. And it immediately brings up everything within a certain geographic area. Boy, if you have access to the data, that is you have a to genius. Uh, you have to enter the data. You have to put the time in to enter the data. You also have to make it attractive enough to those who would be motivated to enter the data for their own establishments or their own bands or their own events. Make it so worth their while because when you go to the site. Because there is no you, there is no database of what's on nearby. No. Like no. that's what you're that's what you're basically creating. No. And, and you're, you're left with Facebook, which means you have to search for yeah. something specific. Uh, and in this case, when you when you get to where you want to go, you start to see ads. 
in the top right corner. Uh-huh. And those ads, if you they show a picture and it's an establishment, click on the ad, it'll take you there. Click yeah. on, on the, the band, the band, click on the band, it'll take you there. Those yeah. ads, there has to be a, a demonstrable increase in patronage. Demonstrable if there increase isn't, in patronage, yes. If there isn't, then there's no there's no there there, right? Now, yeah, well, and we once know, you once you like as the creator of such an app, uh, you can learn about the tastes of your users and then like send them indeed. notifications when oh, I well, know you, I know you like honky tonk. Uh, key a, point. Key point. Yeah most of the increased attendance will come from that yes which is a blast to say oh by the way in two days at this bar there's going to be this band right and because you are uh, i imagine there's some permission that's needs to be granted here yeah but you're recording through your database all the information to be able to create such a list, sure, and it's an it's it's not automatic. They have to click on something to, have to, give to it. actually be able to. You know all of that, but people don't come to things because they go looking for it. Sometimes they do. Mostly, they they have to hear it. from somebody. Yeah. Hey, hey, did you hear? Yeah. Hey, did you know that that Stevie Wonder's third son is playing at the State Theater next week? playing a one-man jam on a piano and it's free who would yeah you, you don't go looking for that no 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 you what do you search for <laughs> you don't I, even know it exists i had a another thing that we do in my company is we like organize these like random uh sort of coffee chats with uh with other people in the company like mimicking you know water cooler casual conversation and i had one the other day with a guy that um when he was younger, he had a band, and uh, and he would and they would play at these different clubs, and then a club would contact them and be like, "Hey, come come drive uh, fifty miles to come play at this at this club," and they'd be like, "Okay," and the club would be like, "How many how many people are you bringing? Like, how many of your fans are you going to bring to my establishment?" Because I'm letting you play here, and yeah. and they figured out that almost everywhere they went, as far as they traveled, it was always the same people in the audience, and they were like, "Why yeah. the fuck are we traveling this far to to give an audience to give the same people this concert? Let's just do it at the local pub, right, or, or whatever." Well, you have to you you have to make every event an event. Indeed, it it has to be something that's happening. It has to be a an occurrence of some regard. I mean, occurrence it, it, of some regard. It just can't. So many it titles. Just, if it's happenstance, there'll be eight people there. Right. If you show up at a bar that that at happy hour has sixteen people and you play at happy hour and you're it's on Facebook, you will have sixteen people there. Yep. No matter how many people say they like it or how many people say they're interested or how many people <laughs> say they're going, that's right. all bullshit. Indeed. There's no intentionality in any of that stuff. Not that there's intentionality. We're not looking for intentionality. What we're looking for is announcement. 
what we're looking for is we want to bump into your schedule. This is worth it. And we know it's worth it for you because this is the kind of shit you're looking for. Right. This is your There jam. should never be an establishment that isn't full of people. True. There's, it, it isn't. With the, with, with, you look at the population center of, of Kalamazoo and environs, not as far as Grand Rapids, because if people are going to drive from Grand Rapids, which is a good solid hour, it has to be big. Yeah. Which a huge city compared to uh, Kalamazoo. We're in the 70, 70,000, 75,000. But we also have several, we have two, we have a university. We have the, the state, the nation's oldest continual running college, Kalamazoo College. Wow. Um, with large students. And these are, you know, the age. These are people who they're going to want to know about, not about the blues. They're, they're no. not. No, no, no. They're going to want to know where's there's some dance music going on. They want to know. Not where there's a band. They want to know where's their DJ and lights and shit. Yep. Where can I get a fancy drink? Yep. Where can I go and, and start moving? You know. Yeah, baby. And the the thing of 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 what I've got in my mind is how do you introduce people to new genres of music? Is that you get them hooked for coming to the music they like, and while they're there, they happen to hear the other music. So I think in terms of music festivals, right. you know, like if you want people to, I, I'm dedicated to the blues and long live the blues and all that, but how do you get young people to like it? You've got to get them introduced to it. Mm -hmm. And it's so different from what they might otherwise like. You know, when, when we had Johnny Bergen, international blues guitarist, traditional guitarist of the year nomination traveled all over the world and we went into a bar and the bar had about 25 30 patrons at the bar we opened up the double doors into the music room which could hold another 25 probably there were six or eight people 12 people finally in the in the music room we opened up the doors and throughout the entire two and a half hours where Johnny and his three-piece band played their freaking hearts out. Right. I mean, screaming blues, good shit. Yeah. I mean, really, really good stuff. Out of that group in the bar, there were only four people that bothered to come in. Even though I went out to the bar and announced who Johnny was, recording artists, tours, this and that, and people clapped and applauded. I made the mistake, big mistake, of not having them turn the music off in the bar. There you go. I had them turn it down because I thought that the patrons in the bar would be too pissed, right, if you just shut off their their music, right. which was, was moving music, beat music. Yeah. And in hindsight, that was a mistake. It, you know, I, I don't know that it would have changed things much, but at least you, it, it was clearly that they could hear the music from where they sat. One of the reasons I didn't do it, because I thought they would come into the room to hear it better. Not a good theory. Not yeah, good there, there are so many startup ideas where it all makes sense once everyone has the app installed. But boy, getting to that point and, and getting people to actually 
install it and use it is the hard part. Indeed. Uh, and I've done a lot of thinking about that, and it's Indeed. not well, easy. Well, so we we need to we need to. And there was something by way of series that's come. Oh, oh, oh! True Detective. Is that coming back? Jodie Foster. Really? Yes. Yes. When is that starting? Uh, it's coming up this fall. Nice. Well, that's going to be, uh, that's our bread and butter right there. And uh, yeah, the House of Dragons is coming back too, but I was ho-hum on that, let alone you would be just ho. No, no, just hum. Yeah. You know hum. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever. Well, I'm I'm out of here, man. You're much less eloquent at the end here. Oh, uh, uh, so beguiled by the feeling of having left already, he decided that leaving was a foregone conclusion, which no one would determine. No one would ever wonder or placate the impression that the leaving was something that could be avoided. And so he left. And as he left, not a sound could be heard only the crying of the doves and the rafters of the church. Okay, what a fabulous ending to episode number 194. You can find these show notes at happyhour.fm slash 194, including links to a lot of the crap that we talked about. I found a new way to make the video more interesting. So for our Patreon subscribers at the Gin Martini level, you can now see subtitles come up as we're speaking on the video. Pretty cool. See you next week.